0: to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the CRX podcast. The CRX podcast provides an added benefit for healthcare professionals and readers of the CRX magazine, a leader in reliable information and news about medical cannabis. The CRX podcast will provide the latest discussions about cannabinoid products as part of a patient's treatment plans and deliver the latest education about medical cannabis for pharmacists, physicians, and innovative healthcare providers.
2: It's the new year we are headed back to. Um, our kids are all going back to school. It's like our schedules are all coming back after the holidays. I love the holidays. I I have to say, I get um, kicked off my my mojo from a business perspective and we have to come from back from the holidays and it's not that I wasn't working over the holidays because I was I'm guilty that I didn't take a lot of time off and I like information to bring us back together um jumping back into podcasting using podcasting for supplemental information and education uh, the PPN is so proud to have our experts come and bring us great discussions and for the new year I'm kicking off a new show called This Week in Pharmacy. We will have several of our hosts come aboard as co-hosts with different segments. One of our co-hosts that I've valued our relationship and his business understanding, his understanding of uh, the clinical aspect of being a pharmacist, is the specifics around a cannabis and how it's growing and how medical cannabis is becoming more resourced and more leveraged for multiple different disease, states, and conditions. Joseph Friedman has been a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network for about three and a half, four years now. And Joseph Friedman, it is great to be back on the podcast with you and talking with you. Happy New Year,
3: Joe. It's good to to have you here and looking at you on our Zoom. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be here. You know, Happy New Year, everyone in the audience. Happy New Year, Todd. And I'm looking forward to uh, kicking off the 2023 with a lot of good content.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, kicking off content and kicking off the new year, we're bringing a level of standardization and understanding to our pharmacists. And that is the growth of cannabis in the hands of our medical professionals and our researchers. And uh, my preface, of course, our pharmacists, has really grown um, since we started uh, several podcasts about medical cannabis. And one of those things is standards and the importance of having standards that govern the way um, cannabis is used in medicine as well as ongoing research and standards. And Joe, you've brought us a great um, interview today, a great guest from accountability. And if you wanna follow along listeners, accountability dot com that's a c a n n a ability b-i-l-i-t-y and that would be accountability.com that's going to be in our show notes but i want to welcome our special guest today because um that having having good information to fall back on with regards to standards that's how you became a pharmacist in the first place you're listening it's verified information is good information Lisa Solomon Mann, I want to welcome you to our shows and a a shout out to you for coming and talking with our pharmacist to the kicking off the new year with, with something I'm excited about, and that is standards in the world of medical cannabis. So welcome.
0: Todd, thank you for having me and happy new year to everyone. And it is a pleasure to help kick off the new year by sharing this information. So I have been involved in cannabis education initiatives for about five and a half years now the state of illinois opened up their list of approved medical conditions back in 2017 and that's the point where a lot of people knowing things that i knowing that i tended to do things holistically and plant based started reaching out to me asking me how cannabis could support them on their journey to health and wellness whether it be for themselves or for loved ones Well, I knew some, but not that much. So I took it upon myself to do a lot of research. I started attending conferences with some of the top researchers in the world, um, reading everything I could find. And I realized that there was a lot of good information out there, but it could be very difficult to find. And for many, it was very difficult to discern between the good information and the bad information. And when I say bad information, I mean, people that were skewing studies to say things about cannabis being fantastic or terrible that were not true because they just didn't understand it or people just purely based on their personal beliefs wanted to keep cannabis hidden. And at that point, I decided I wanted to do whatever I could to bring truth in the education to the masses and to help cannabis become a first-line treatment option rather than uh, something people would go to as a last resort. So when I was reached out to about a year ago to help found accountability, it was sort of like a dream come true for me. It was a platform through which I could help bring trusted information to the general public, to medical care providers and to legislators, people who set policies. So accountability is the cannabis industry's first member-driven direct-to-consumer advertising cooperative. So if you think about the Got Milk campaign, Mm -hmm. they use the power of pooled funds to get a message across. And our goal is to help grow the industry through education and to give people a trusted go-to source for education. So at the beginning of this year, we're going to be adding a lot of resources to our website. We've been collecting some great articles. They'll be going up shortly. And the idea is that if an article or a link to an article is in our website, you can trust that information. You know that it's a good source. We also, for our industry members, have a trusted member seal. So that is also starting to roll out on products. So when you see the accountability seal, when you talk about standards, they have agreed to adhere to a code of standards, a code of ethics, meaning they will test products to the best of their ability because at this point in time, there are no regulations for the CBD market. And what we have found is that some products, and this is through lab testing, have close to the amount of CBD in it that it says they have on the label. And some of these products are tested for toxins. Others are not. People can put anything out there. There are horror stories I hear from lab operators about CBD products and their derivatives that are given to the lab and said, just tell us how much CBD is in it. We don't want to know anything else. Some labs refuse to do that, saying, if your product's coming to us, we're going to test for known toxins. But others, because they want the business, will do that. And it's very important that people know what they're getting. Um, cannabis and hemp is cannabis is a bioaccumulator. so it will suck up heavy metals and toxins from the soil. So the standards for uh, dispensary sold legal cannabis actually, they are stricter than they are for organic vegetables. um if you've seen the latest consumer reports um, that have come out on dark chocolate, a lot of them test very heavy in those toxins. So if you are buying cannabis from a licensed dispensary, you can look at the COA, the certificate of analysis, which will tell you what's in it and know what there is. CBD, which you can buy at a health food store or a gas station, many of them also have COAs, but they don't necessarily test for everything that could be bad for you. So when someone comes to us and wants to be a member and wants to use our accountability seal on their product, they have to agree to test the products to the best of their ability, meaning for what labs can test for. So our goal is to educate consumers on what it means to get a clean product and also on the many different medical benefits that they're have been shown to be for medical cannabis. And so our goal is really to educate, empower, and enlighten consumers. And we will also be directing ads towards medical professionals because there's a lot that they need to know um, to keep their patients safe. And as a pharmacist, something that is, I would say, very important, you're looking at the cocktail of drugs that someone might be taking. But if you're not specifically asking if they're taking CBD, the drugs might not be doing what they are intended to do or could potentially have an adverse effect. And Joseph is the pharmacist, and I would like to give him a minute or two just to address the potential CBD interactions.
3: Yeah, I'll do that, Lisa. I've got a question. Uh, Just you know, you said it's a member-driven organization. So, you know, I used to work for a cooperative, you know, many years ago, and I understand that that's member-driven. That's what a cooperative is. But how will you be able to get members and, and those benefits, um, you know, that, that they're, that they're going to pay for?
0: Great question. So, while you hear in the news how fast the market is growing and how many billions of dollars of product are being sold, there is really a huge untapped market. We have people who had just fear instilled of them in them from reefer madness and the war on drugs. You know, most of us remember the war on drugs campaign. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. And they were made to believe that cannabis or marijuana or marijuana, as they were calling it sometimes would do that so it's in the best interest of the companies to support this educational effort to help people understand the truth about the wide variety of conditions and symptoms that it can help and also for people to understand when it is contraindicated because that's also important so using the power pooled funds will get that message out there whether someone is trying to get off their opioids or reduce their alcohol consumption and looking for something else that can help them relax. And sometimes this can be used in a social setting. There are cannabis beverages. Or if someone has a health condition and, you know, they've read articles that cannabis can help it, they can come to the accountability website, look for an article on that and see what the research is really showing. And to understand how it might be able to help them. And they can even share these articles with their medical care providers.
3: Okay, great, great response. So, you know, you asked the question about CBD, and, you know, CBD can cause drowsiness just on its own. Uh, And I know with higher doses, um, it can actually cause headaches. Um, and it also increases the drowsiness, uh, so a synergistic effect caused by other medications, including antihistamines such as Benadryl, or benzodiazepines, uh, antipsychotics, antidepressants, and opioids, as well as alcohol and supplements such as kava, melatonin, and St. John's wort. So it's it's you know it's a benign drug, but there are drug interactions associated with CBD as well as THC. That you know people should be aware of, and that's why she, they should talk to a medical professional when they go into one one of these um, you know, Delta eight stores and and pick up a, a product that has a, a COA, but you know may have some heavy metals or insect legs or or some other issue with that product because it hasn't been truly tested uh, the right way.
0: So, accountability as a cooperative is a membership based model. And membership is open to people in all areas of the industry from plant touching companies, which would include the big MSOs, the multi state operators, um, whether they are cultivators, producers, infusers, or retailers, to all ancillary businesses. So, we have attorneys, we have marketing teams everyone is welcome. And by supporting accountability, which supports the growth of the industry, it will help everyone's business grow. It's important to let consumers and key decision makers understand the truth in order to open this up. And one of the big issues we have is a lot of people are fearful of testing positive for cannabis on drug tests. So part of our education efforts, which will support all ends of the industry here, is educating key decision makers. So someone, for example, who's in charge of human resource policies for a huge corporation, they need to understand, and their drug testing policies, when it's something that's legal in their state, they shouldn't be treating that any differently than alcohol or someone who is using benzos or opioids. It should really be about state of impairment. And that is part of what accountability will do, and that will help open up the market to allow more people to heal their bodies in the way that they want to by being able to use cannabis.
3: Yeah, you know, that's great. And you know, um, some time ago, Todd, um, you know, we did an interview with with a woman who was uh, spearheading a new organization that had to do with accreditation for dispensaries. And at the time, I was owning and operating a dispensary. And we were under that um, umbrella of accreditation, and we actually got accredited. And I know she had reached out to many dispensaries in her own home state of Ohio and uh, wasn't getting a whole lot of um, interest. You know, why would I pay all this money to be accredited? What's that gonna mean for me? And, you know, we, we you know, it, my dispensary, we, we just naturally did what we were doing and we were able to get accredited because we were doing all those things. And she actually put together a pretty good team of professionals and was going full steam ahead, but I, I don't think it went anywhere. So, you know, how is this different from from that, from an accreditation of dispensary organization?
0: That's a great question. We are currently exploring partnerships with some different cannabis education groups. What we would like to do is offer continuing education credits in partnership with someone who already has curriculum to sort of certify that a dispensary is keeping their frontline staff up to date. Something that is a bit of concern is someone goes into a dispensary and you have the frontline people, whether they're called bud tenders or patient care representatives, um, some of them know a lot. And share good information with people coming in to purchase products. Others know very little, but will talk as if they know a lot. And even those that are well-informed, they are not this person's pharmacist. They are not their physician. They don't know what other medications they are on. They do not know um, what their physical concerns are. So part of this education initiative is to help people understand that they should not be prescribing in that sense of the word products to people. That, as Joseph said earlier, it is important for someone, especially someone who is taking other medications or has specific medical concerns, to have a conversation with a medical pr- medical care provider that is well versed in cannabis, whether that be a pharmacist, a cannabis nurse, and there are programs out there, or a physician that understands it. So if a dispensary has their staff appropriately trained so they understand when it's okay to give advice and when they should refer someone to a medical professional they can have an accountability seal at their dispensary which shows that they are committed to a certain standard to a standard of excellence in terms of the advice and the care that they give to all of their consumers
3: so they would put the accountability seal into their promotional materials and 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 highlight that
0: Yes, it can go on their website, it can go on their door, and they can brag about how well-trained their staff is, that they really are dedicated to consumer education. And part of what we want the companies to understand is that they have actually lost business due to a lack of education. There are countless people that I've had conversations with that said, oh yeah, no, I I tried a gummy. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. I I couldn't believe how awful I felt. I am never touching it again. And that is because different states have different maximum amounts set as what is considered sort of a, a dose or a serving, we'll call it. So in some states, that's five milligrams of THC. In Illinois, 10 milligrams. Other states, I think it's 25. So people don't know where to start. And I personally think that every state should have rolled out education programs in advance of rolling out cannabis, especially for adult use. But even in states where it's medical, they were not requiring education for the medical providers. And that's not the best recipe for success. So we're trying to rectify that by rolling out these education programs and companies that do join us, they will use our seal and accountability will become this trusted seal of approval. So when people see it on a company's website in a dispensary window on a product, because our label is starting to come out on products now, again, that means that they are committed to best practices and to education. That they want the people consuming their products to have the best possible experience.
3: And you know, case in point, Lisa. I mean, and that's great information. Um, When we were running PDI Medical, um, you know, we had two neighboring dispensaries, uh, you know, probably within five miles away, and they lost a lot of patients to us. And we weren't doing anything that we considered special, except we were. We were treating everyone that came in like a patient. And gave them consultations and held their hand and sometimes even sent them out the door when we didn't feel like cannabis was the right thing for them at that time. And then doing the follow-up. So so this is actually this actually worked on a on a non sort of planned way when I was when I was running my dispensary. And now it's going to happen with accountability seals and all the education that you're going to provide.
0: Yes. And as a shout out to Joseph, I referred a number of people to his dispensary because. They really needed medical advice. And I knew that if they went to PDI Medical, that they were getting good guidance. And like he said, whether they had to send them away because it wasn't indicated for them, they did that. They weren't afraid to lose the business. And that's what we want the industry to become, just a group of trusted people who really are looking at what is in the best interest of the patient or the customer and to understand that, you know, just as people self-medicate with alcohol a lot for stress or anxiety, a lot of people, while it's called adult-use cannabis, are actually self-medicating in a very healthy way because cannabis provides a lot of benefits to the body. Everyone listening to this probably understands that there is an endocannabinoid system that the body produces its own cannabinoids and just is like as if you are low on vitamin D, you take vitamin D, so maybe your body does need some cannabinoids. And we also want people to understand that it's very possible to have great healing without the high. There is a big myth out there that cannabis gets you stoned, it gets you high, you're loopy, you're out of it. And with a lot of products, yes, you do have that psychotropic effect. But as some medical providers will say, medical cannabis, when used properly, will not lead to a high feeling for a lot of patients. And we want people to understand that and getting that out there to the public, using these pooled funds, having these companies come on as members will help grow the industry because people will understand they can get products that are higher in CBD and THC, which tends to alleviate that psychotropic effect. And that is different for different people. So I want everyone listening to understand, while a one to one ratio may eliminate that for some patients. For others, they might need a ratio as high as 13 to 1 or 20 to 1 CBD to THC to not have that feeling. It is something that is very individualized. And that I think is part of the challenge in the medical community, accepting cannabis as a medicine. It's not a take one pill every morning. It's very different. The effects can vary based on what food you have in your stomach if you're taking an edible. For women, it varies with their menstrual cycle. There are a lot of variables. And so we just want people to understand that it is important to start low and stay slow and to make sure that the information you're getting is trusted information. And I'd like to give you one example of uh, something that a lot of people have put out there that is very dangerous There are people that will go out there shouting to whoever will listen. It's on a lot of websites. People talk about it on podcasts sometimes, in forums. They'll say THC kills cancer. If you have cancer, have a lot of THC. And there are studies that show that cannabis does kill certain types of cancer cells. There are also studies that show that THC can increase the rate at which some cancer cells grow, especially some hormone-based cancers. And that's why it's important to have a trusted source. And that's why we have created accountability so people can find the articles and the resources that provide truth about the plant.
3: Now, Lisa, you know, one thing, because I did work for one of the large MSOs, you know, that purchased my dispensary for a couple of years, and they had this comprehensive training program uh, you know, I, I've seen all their modules. I've taken all their tests. Uh, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I can probably um, say about that is they would bring a new employee in for maybe eight hours, maybe, you know, over the course of two days, give them this training and then send them out. Uh, I know that's not enough, but they might feel like, yeah, we're we're already doing all this education. Why do we need you?
0: Right. It's interesting. Um Now that the land grab has slowed down a bit, and by land grab, I mean the multi-state operators trying to get as many licenses as they can in different states, since that pace has slowed, they are starting to look at what is happening with their consumers. And it's interesting. I've had conversations with a number of them over the past year, and they say that the other MSOs are no longer their biggest competitors. They now feel that the legacy market, and that is the street market, what was often referred to in the past as the black market, that that now feels a lot safer to a lot of people because they feel the consequences if they got caught, if they get caught with, with weed now, are few or nil. Um, but yet they are ignoring the safety testing and the purity of the product. And the other th- thing that they feel is a big issue for them, they are seeing a Flight of people from dispensaries going to head shops or to the internet to buy Delta 8 and other lab derived products. What happens is people take CBD from legal industrial hemp and in the lab they can create Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 6, Delta 10, THCOA. I've lost track of all the new ones coming out. And so people find those are often less expensive. So They also, some people still feel a stigma about walking into a dispensary, but yet they'll go into a head shop and buy a Delta 8 product. So until there are testing requirements to ensure the safety and purity, I personally feel unless someone knows they can trust the COA on one of those products, they're better off buying a dispensary product. But the MSOs see these as big competitors. So they are now wanting to band together and help people understand why Dispensary products might be better for them than what they can purchase elsewhere.
3: Great. Uh, Todd, do you have any questions that you feel the audience might want to uh, hear? What I'm
2: excited about is the credibility that's being brought to the uh, medical profession. And, you know, there are states like Pennsylvania that had Act 16, which was all about medical uh, marijuana laws that require licensed pharmacists uh, to be in dispensaries. Um, opening anyone that opened a dispensary 2018 and beyond and the reason why that they came up with that is they say hey we know that pharmacists adhere to um, a specific um, belief and understanding as um, the experts on medications and substances and interactions and so when accountability when accountabilities come to the table now in building standards this is going to fold right into assuring the states um, get the right type of guidance and the right type of teams that are assuring um that um that accountability that that you guys are helping to set. So I'm excited about this Joe what what do you see as a one one ring rules all, uh Lisa, like how do we get to a point where uh, different organizations that are already kind of setting standards for other things, look at uh, your organization and say, okay, this is really uh, assuring that there is an an accountability and a a standardization that's accepted. What has your team kind of looked at and also you, Joe, because you're on on the board as well, in order to reach the right organizations throughout the country?
0: We've actually started conversations with some of the other organizations that have been setting standards in other industries. Many of them have been diving into the cannabis space over the past few years. And as part of our set of standards, we reserve the right to set a requirement for them to adhere to standards set by one of these independent bodies. And what we are looking to do is to bring the industry together. We wanna support the industry setting its own standards since they understand better what the needs are than government officials unfamiliar with these products. So that's part of what we are doing. In addition to the general membership, we have formed the Accountability Collective Alliance, and that is a gathering of nonprofit organizations, whether they are education, industry, or advocacy groups, to bring them together, because the industry is somewhat siloed. Mm -hmm. And we had our first quarterly meeting the end of last year. We have one coming up in a couple of weeks. And the connections being made are just fabulous. We have education groups wanting to connect more with advocacy groups. And we have industry groups realizing they need to come together on, on standards. And so we're providing a forum in which that can be done.
3: Great, great. And, and you know, one of the things that came to mind when you asked the question about CBD and drug interactions is, you know, all of you know everything in cannabis is metabolized and it's metabolized through the liver. It's metabolized through you know the cytochrome p four fifty system and other cytochrome you know p systems. And you know wherever there's a drug that gets metabolized the same way, you know i e warfarin, um, you know you just got to be careful not that there's going to be a direct and serious drug interaction. But it's just good to have awareness of how these drugs are metabolized. What other drugs that are is the patient taking, and is there any potential for side effects that you know could be avoided?
0: Right, and from everything I've seen, from what Joseph just said, at sort of normal levels of CBD consumption, there's not believed to be an interaction. But you have some people that have their CBD tea, their chocolates, their tinctures, their sodas, and they end up taking hundreds of milligrams of CBD in a short period of time. And that's when I think we're getting into an area where there could potentially be a risk. We need more research on it. And by more people accepting this truly as medicine, it will help research institutions to direct more funds to do this type of research.
3: Well, I mean, no argument there. I've definitely accepted cannabis truly as medicine, Todd, as you're well aware. And um, and that was the idea of our dispensary was to treat patients, not to make boatloads of money and sell as much pot as possible, which I think you know where the industry's going today.
0: And I'd just like to add one more thing. We are accepting articles. So if anyone listening is involved in treating patients with cannabis, and whether it's um a short article about some of the successes and some of the challenges they've faced. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me directly via email, Lisa, L-I-S-A, at accountability.com, A-C-A-N-N, ability.com. And you will see in the coming months, a lot of resources going up on the site. And Todd, I, I want to thank you for having me on today. And Joseph, thank you for helping make this happen.
2: Thank you. Thank you, both. It was excellent to have you uh, back. Uh, Joe, giving us an update, um, looking forward to what you're going to be bringing to the network in 2023, kind of a resetting of our um, cyclical content uh, for uh, the CRX podcast. There are uh, several other pharmacists who have reached out to us and saying that they'd like to participate. So I think I'd like to put together a um, like the superheroes of pharmacists leading um, medical cannabis um, research and and knowledge for other pharmacists and our other providers and more importantly uh, setting standards that are not only safe but um, help to relieve different things that are happening in our in our people's lives and patients' lives that are experiencing pain and, and a whole myriad of other uh, conditions that we know that uh, cannabis can, can be leveraged and to help because ultimately, like you said, Lisa, it's about the patients.
3: Thank you, Todd. Uh, beautiful words, and look forward to 2023 and beyond, and um, you know, treating cannabis as medicine, and with all the help from other pharmacists on that on that subject. Thank you.
1: To find all the episodes from the CRX Podcast, go to crxpodcast.com. To learn more about the latest advancements in medical cannabis. Visit crxmag.com. That's crxmag.com. Thanks for listening.